Uh, grab your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 4. And we've been in a series of messages uh, called um, Check Your Bags. Check Your Bags, right? And um, I started a message last weekend that I'm going to finish today, and then we're going to jump into the baptism. Jump in. <laughs> Cannonball! Anyways, we're going to get into the baptisms. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, um, and I want to say this up front, just so you can be thinking about it. If the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you about being baptized today, we're prepared for you. Yes. So some people came prepared and because they knew they're going to be baptized. But if the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you about that, we have shorts and shirts and towels and everything that you would need to, to be baptized today. So we want to serve you. So as we're going through, just keep that. You know, you may be thinking, that ain't me. I don't need. No. Okay, it's fine. But if, if, you know, if the Holy Spirit, if sneaky Jesus gets up in your pew today while we're talking and says, like, you need to do that, just know we're prepared for you. Okay? Yeah. All right. And so, um, and so anyways, uh, we started this message series a couple weeks ago, but we started this message last week. And we're talking about freedom. And when the Bible talks about freedom, here's the biggest misconception on freedom. Most people think freedom, they think of freedom in terms of what I, what I stop doing or what I'm not doing anymore. So they think about, I'll be free when I don't or when I stop. And that, that can be something like, I'll be free when I no longer look at pornography. But it could also be, I'll be free when I'm no longer anxious, right? So different things. But that's not how the Bible views freedom. So the Bible actually defines freedom not as the absence of a behavior or something like that, but as it defines it um, as the presence of someone. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the journey of freedom most of the time is about getting God in the places where we need him in our lives to free us not to not be something, but to free us to be who God created us to be, right? And you can be born again and saved and still be in bondage. Right? We started there. Jesus said to the Jews, John 8, he said to the Jews that believed him, and he's talking to believers, and he's saying, y'all aren't free. But he's saying, I want you to be free. And so you can be a believer and be in bondage, right? And so we're talking about how we live free and how we walk in freedom. And so last week, we talked this discussion, and we started talking about unattended baggage, and what we said is, we said, hey, if we don't attend to our bags, somebody could steal them. So there's anytime you don't attend to baggage, you're going to suffer loss, right? Most marriage problems, relationship problems are not marriage and relationship problems. It's someone got married. And when you get married, what happens is all your baggage comes to your new house. And where it was unchecked before, then you have somebody living with you who starts checking your bags, Right? Because you're, you know, they run into your baggage and you run into their baggage. Right? Right? Like an anger problem is not a marriage problem. That's a person problem. Right? You understand what I'm saying? That's a freedom issue right there. And so, um, and so anyways, we started talking. If, if, we, if, we don't, if we don't attend to our bags, they can get stolen. I told you a story about this last week. And, and then also, if we don't attend bags, people can put things in it. Like the enemy can take things out and put things in. Right, and so that's why we're talking about it. And so uh, we're gonna—I'm gonna read Genesis four, and it says, "In the course of time, Cain 
brought some of the fruits of the soil. By the way, I read this last week, so I'm not going to do all the same commentary. Just watch last week's message. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as offering to the Lord. Abel also brought an offering, fat portions for some of the firstborn of his flock, right? He brought the fat portion. Somebody said, praise the Lord. I'm acceptable to the Lord. The fat portion is here. The Lord looked with favor on Abram. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't get it. It's okay. It wasn't a good joke anyway. Um, but, Cain, but he looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face fell or he was downcast. Verse six, it says, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you'll be accepted. But if you don't do what is right, look at this. If you don't do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it, right? You must rule over it. Ephesians, so, so look what he said. He said, hey, don't be angry, right? Um, typically, here, let me say something about anger. No one has a problem with anger, Anger is always symptomatic of a deeper issue. Yeah. Anger is the, the easiest achievable emotion. In fact, you don't have to try to get angry most of the time. And so if you're dealing with anger, anger is not the problem. Something else is. So let me help you with that. Because people are like, I just, I'm, you know, like if you're getting angry and you're going into rage and you're punching holes in the walls and all that, you got a deeper issue. It's not the anger. You know what I'm saying? Like some of you be driving and be like, great is the Lord, you know? And then somebody cut you off and all of a sudden you just like, you lose your stuff, man. <laughs> Listen, you got to, there's something going on, all right? Like anger is one of those flags that says, hello, <laughs> you'll have a problem. Instead, <laughs> think of problema, okay? Um, <clears throat> So, um, but, he, but look what he said. He said, if, if you don't do right, sin's coming in. If you don't do right, sin's coming in. And it's going to rule over you, say bondage. Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So I talked about this last week, so just quick review. The word place there is topos, T-O-P-O-S in the Greek. And the best analogy is like topography, Right? And the best analogy would be like, you know, you know, Al-Qaeda or whatever, um, and how the, they terrorists hide in the caves over there. You can't hardly find them. They're in this network of caves. But they come out and they terrorize, and then they hide again. And that's what the enemy does. He gains places, footholds in your life. And a lot of times you don't see them until something gets triggered. Yeah. Right? Like you really love your wife, and you can kiss your kids and pray with them. Right? And love on your wife. And then she falls asleep and two o'clock in the morning, you're in the bathroom looking at porn. Right? And like everything was fine, but something happened. Something got triggered and here comes the enemy and you're sitting here, well, I got an issue. It's, it's, it's not an issue, it's bondage. No. It's a problem. Yeah. Right? It's an issue. Uh, the great thing is God has more freedom than you have bondage. You know, he has more grace than you have, more sin, yeah. than you have sin. So, so just, you know, it's one of those things like having a great day and then, you know, your kid does something, I don't know, leaves a Lego out, you step on it and now your whole family's hiding from you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I get it, man. There's not a few things worse than Lego pain. Like that is what hell is. You know, hell is you got to like walk around barefoot for the rest of your life on Legos. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, and so, 
But that's what, that's what he's saying. Don't, don't give the enemy a place. There are things that we do, and there are things that happen to us that we don't necessarily do that give the enemy a place. And that's what we were talking about is these places of open doors or unattended bags where the enemy comes in and works against us. And so last week, we talked about generational iniquities and curses. We talked about unforgiveness, and we talked about pride, rebellion, and witchcraft. All those are on last week's podcast or the YouTube channel or whatever. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't seen those, to get them. This week, there's just two bags that I want to talk about. And the first one is, is this one right here, this red one. I want to talk about this one. Um, because this bag right here is emotional wounds and traumas. Emotional wounds and traumas. One of my biggest concerns about church, and we're doing, I think, a better job of it today, but for years, the church would talk about spirit th- spiritual things like being saved and being born again, and we would even talk about how God could heal our bodies, but we didn't talk about how God needs to heal our souls. Because here's what I can tell you about every person in this room, whether you believe it, whether you like it, whether you agree with it. Listen, I've been doing this a long time. I've been a human for over 40 years. I've been a pastor for over 20, okay? So I've been on both sides of the chair, both sides of the table, whatever it is. You're not a fool in me, okay? Every person in this room has, has suffered emotional wounds and traumas in your life. Yeah. Um, you have been sinned against. Every person has. And, and they look like different things. I'm going to talk about what they look like in just a minute. But every person has. And here's the problem is, let me help you with something. Time has never healed anything. I think one of the biggest lies is that time heals all wounds. It does not. No, it can cause abscesses. It can cause infections. You can end up with an amputation, but it does not heal anything. The truth is, if you have a wound on your body, and this is a good word for somebody, if you have a wound on your body, time doesn't heal that wound, your body does. Another reason to be connected to the body of Christ. Because time doesn't heal that wound, the body does. We are stewards of grace in its various forms, and we pour out grace on each other and love on each other, right? You know, time doesn't heal, Jesus does. Are you with me? So this idea that time heals all wounds. No, sir. No, sir. Listen, there are people probably watching today that you are still, you could get triggered so fast because you've still got an open wound from something happened 20 years ago because no one ever told you Jesus came not just to make you look good on the outside, but to make you healed up on the inside. Right? Jesus didn't. It didn't come so we could act better. I mean, the problem wasn't behavior. The problem was sin. He came to redeem us, but he also came to heal us. Like the word salvation is about spirit, soul, and body restoration, right? You understand? It's like God is... Let me show you scripture. Yeah, we'll just get to the word of God. Luke four eighteen. the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Look at that. Heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind. Now look at this phrase. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Set at liberty them that are bruised. Listen to me. What is a bruise? It's a trauma. But where is the wound? On the inside. Because that's what a bruise is. You've endured a trauma and it's busted blood vessels and things on the inside and you have bleeding on the inside. Right? And you can put a sweatshirt on and come to church and lift your hands and no one knows you're bleeding on the inside. Right? And Jesus, this is what he's saying. Look what he said. To set at liberty the bruised. So here's what he's saying. 
when I've got a trauma on the inside, I need to be set free. Why? Because a trauma will put me in bondage. Jesus doesn't need to free someone unless they're bound. And what he's saying is when we, when we endure traumas and wounds in our soul, we could say in our heart, our broken heart or whatever, but it's really in our soul. When we endure those, uh, here's the problem for, for most of the time. The enemy is usually when, when, this, <clears throat> when trauma happens, he's the first one there with this suitcase. And he's saying, this belongs to you now. And most of the time we take it and we say, well, yeah, I'm the abused person or I'm the divorced person or I'm the angry person or I'm the betrayed person or I'm the abandoned person or I'm the neglected person. And what he really wants you to do is he wants you to take on the identity of what just happened to you. He wants to make what happened to you who you think you are. Because when we do that, listen, we start lowering our expectations. Well, I'll never be loved like that. I'll never have a husband or a wife like that. I don't deserve it. What she says, I'm unworthy. Why? Because something happened to me. And we start lowering our expectations. God will never use me like, I'll never have that. I'll never be that. And this is what the enemy's doing. Listen, he wants to keep you in bondage. And wounds are going to happen. And when wounds happen, he is the first one. Like he is on the scene to try to tell you what you. And what if what happened to you has nothing to do with you? What if it has everything to do with the brokenness of someone else? What if it means nothing? What if it couldn't define you, tell you, define you or tell you who you are or tell you what you could or couldn't have? What if that has nothing to do with who God created you to be? And even though that attack of the enemy came and wounds came and trauma came and hurt came and all those things, what if you could back up and say that was about them and that doesn't change who he created me to be? They may have broke me, but he will heal me and set me free. You are not what happened to you. But a lot of times what happened to us turns into these belief systems and these ways of thinking and these wrong expectations and lowering of standards. I mean, we're talking about trauma. There's so many I can talk about, but, but here's just, you know, a list just to give you an idea. But like, and I mentioned these, but abuse, and that could be mental, emotional, spiritual, sexual. It's abuse, right? Um, physical. <clears throat> Uh, rejection, abandonment, betrayal, neglect. Abuse says you're the wrong person. Neglect says you're not a person. Um, prejudice, where you're judged, where people judge you based on appearance or you know, how they perceive you. And then even sometimes it's serious accidents. Like a lot of times if we witness traumatic things or we've been through near-death accidents or experiences so many times that it, I mean, the enemy seizes a place in us and brings fear and anxiety and dread. And, you know, it's, it's all those that, you know, we get wounded in a relationship and we spend the rest of our life not trusting anyone, you know? I mean, this is what the enemy does because remember, he is trying to keep you bound. He's trying to find places in your life where he can keep you bound. And a lot of times when we're dealing with these what we start doing for our own protection, we have defense mechanisms. 
right? So um, as they say, denial is not just a river in Egypt. So denial is one of the ways we deal with wounds and traumas and hurts, right? <laughs> These are the jokes. I never said they're good jokes, people. I never said that. I, I wouldn't make it as a comedian. That's why I became a pastor. <laughs> but listen, um, but a lot of times what happens to us, like a lot of times I've, we've counseled with people in freedom ministry and they have no memories prior to 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Well, that tells me they've shut something off in their life, right? Because that's not normal. Usually that's indicative of trauma in childhood if you can't remember anything, right? And, and so the, the, we wall that off and we just say that didn't happen to me and that didn't happen. And the thing is, um, let me help you with this. You, you can say, you, you can deny it all you want to. Let me say another one. You can ignore it all you want to, but it's tormenting you, right? Like if you, if you get a bruise, you get a cut, you get a wound, you can spend the rest of your life saying it's not there, but it's going to get abscessed, it's going to get infected, it's going to get worse, right? It's, you, know, you see what I'm saying? And you keep saying it's not there, it's not there, but you're still, I mean, you're still being controlled by it, you just don't know it. You're still bound to it, you just don't know it. And so a lot of times we, we get into denial or emotional insulation. I'll just never let anybody close to me again. It's not the way God created you for connection. Yeah, you need healthy boundaries because they're, listen, bad people happen to good people all the time. Amen. Are you with me? Like this is something 20 years in ministry has taught me. Bad people, well, in 40 years of life, bad people happen to good people every day. But you can't wall yourself off from bad people or all people just because there are bad people, right? Um, you know, there, there, I'll just say this. There are a lot of people uh, who are married, and you can't experience intimacy in your marriage because one of you got walled off. And it's like you want to be vulnerable, but you just can't, right? That, that's not freedom. It's not what God wants for you, right? It's not what God wants for your relationship, um, a lot of times we rationalize it where we try to figure it out because we need closure. So we try to figure out what happened and why. And then sometimes we blame. And a lot of times we self-blame. Yeah. A lot of times with trauma, when we abuse, neglect, whatever, we will find a rationale where somehow that was our fault, which is the work of the enemy. Um, uh, we were counseling with a, a, a lady one time. She came to church, she came to the office. And... Um, I'm, I'm going to say some things. Um, I, I wish life was PG. My experience is it isn't, right? And don't be talking to me about PG life watching The Bachelor. Okay, shut up, you know? <laughs> he shouldn't have said that in church. Let's sit down and watch what you've been watching on TV, Bubba. I'm sorry. I wish we could sterilize all of life in the gospel, but, it, I mean, try to sterilize the Bible. Have you read that thing? There's some freaky stuff in there. But this, uh, this lady, and I don't have time to, yeah, anyway, I'm just going to tell you the story and you can get, you can deal with it. Anyways, this lady, I'm just going to give you the facts, okay? <laughs> when she met with us, her appearance really had turned to more of a man, more masculine. I'm not making a judgment. I'm giving you factual information, okay? And the long story short, the lady had been sexually abused as a child by several men in her family. And at the time we met with her, not only was her appearance had been changed more to be masculine, 
but even her monthly cycle had stopped. This young lady in her 20s. And as we were, we have a process and it's grace-filled and it's kind of slow and monotonous, but we're, what we really want is where the Spirit of the Lord is. We want to get the Spirit of the Lord in wherever that wound was. Does that make sense? Wherever that place is, the enemy's getting in. We just want to put the Spirit of the Lord there. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so... As she was talking, the Holy Spirit showed me some things. And just like any of our freedom team, you know, the whole time people are talking, if we're sitting with them, we're just trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, God, you got to help us. <laughs> like, we don't, we want, I know you want this person free more than I want this person free, but we got to have truth and there's always a lie and da 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 da. And um, she, when she finally told her story, I just felt the Holy Spirit and I said, I said, listen, I said, um, you weren't abused because you were weak. You were abused because they were sick. And those are not the same thing. And the Holy Spirit began to work, and that was the life she believed. She believed women were weak and could be abused, and had she been stronger, she wouldn't have been abused. But when the Holy Spirit set her free, it, the next few months, her appearance changed. Like She started wearing dresses to church, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and not only that, about a month or two later, she reported back. She said, uh, my monthly cycle has started as normal again. And so I'm telling you, inner wounds and traumas, the enemy uses those to try to shape you and to try to bind you. And, and that's a real thing. That's why Isaiah said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to set at liberty those who are bruised. Now you say, well, how do I get free from that? Well, I have to admit it. I have to get out of denial and say, no, this really happened. And then I have to try to figure out what did I believe when this happened about me or about others. And then I have to figure out, well, what is the truth? What is the truth that God wants me to have about this? Because remember, we get free when we walk in truth. We get free when we walk in truth. Okay, here's, this, here's the second bag I'm going to talk about today. This is, this is going to be fun. Let me see if I can find it. I think it's on there. Oh, yeah, this one right here. Yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> this one's called uh, Sin. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it went over the last time. <laughs> uh, this is, let me say it specifically. This is the sin we continue in. Continuing in sin. It's continuing in sin. Um, the reason God hates sin, let me be honest, it's not because he's a fuddy-duddy. Really? God wants you to have tons of fun. God created everything good. I don't know if you know this. So many times we give God credit for everything bad in our life. But it says every good and perfect gift comes from God. Comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. I mean, he is always good. And I don't know about you thought. If there is one thing good in your life today, he gave it to you. Amen. Like maybe you need to go home and take a good inventory of what good the good Father has given to you. Because according to that, if there is anything good in your life, whatsoever, chocolate chip cookies, it doesn't matter. <laughs> if it's good, He gave it to you. Right? If you got a good car, right? Or a good house, or a good vacuum cleaner. Yes. And when you have a golden retriever, you thank God for a good vacuum cleaner. Shonda, you know what I'm saying? And so it's, it's good. But, but, um, but God is good, and, it's, and he hates sin. Here's why he hates sin. 
It's impossible to have sin without someone being hurt. And it's impossible to have sin without going into bondage. And God doesn't want you hurt and God wants you free. Does that make sense? So I'll read you a little scripture here. I'll read you a little scripture. John 3, John 8, 34, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever, everybody say whoever. whoever. Good people or bad people, right? White people, African-American people, Latinos, whoever, whoever, smart people, less smart people, whoever, right? Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Religious people, church people, club hopping people, church hopping people, whoever it is that commits sin is a slave. Is that clear? By the way, that's the words of Jesus Christ. He's an authority on this subject. Romans 6, 16. Don't you know that if you present yourselves that, that, oh, back up. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? So just to be clear, Paul, if I obey sin, am I a slave of sin? And Paul would say, yes. Right? We clear? Because see, this is the problem with this bag. Let me tell you the lie you believe about this bag. You believe about this bag that, you know what, I can pick it up, you know, at times, but, but then I can just put it down when I want to. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I can hit the club on Friday night, woo, be throwing up in a trash can because I had so much fun. I don't know why that's fun. Does anyone like to vomit? If you do, we want to pray for you. Right? But then Sunday, I just put that bag down. Ooh, blessed is he. Right? Like I get lonely on Saturday night, so I'm swapping right on Tinder and I'm hooking up and I don't know his name or his last name or his first name. Like Carrie Underwood said, I don't even know his last name or his first or whatever the song was. But I'm just going to put it down later and just sing, it's your breath in my lungs. This is a lie. It, you know what? I'm just going to click on this. I'm just going to say this, just going to do this, but you know what, when I need to, but this is what you need to understand. This bag comes with accessories. Yeah, it does. It does. I have them right here. Yeah, this one, this one comes with accessories. Yeah. Everybody likes silver bracelets. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. June. Hey, yeah. Oh yeah. This one right here. And this is the problem. This is the problem. When, when I go to reach and grab this bag, it grabs back. It does. And it puts this beautiful bracelet. And then I'm waiting on And so it was fun on Friday night or it was fun on Wednesday afternoon. But now it's Sunday. And I just, oh, I just want to put it down. Oh, Jesus. They keep texting me. I don't, oh, Lord. I mean, I clicked on that, but I don't want to click on it anymore. I just want to, I just want to, I just want to stop. This is why some of you get in worship and you're like, it's your, right? Listen, it's true because sin is going to put you in bondage because that's what it does. 
right? It's going to put you in my own right? What is it? Oh, that's my necklace. I was like, do y'all hear that crackling? Is that just me? Like somebody opened some potato chips or something in here. It's just the popcorn. Y'all behave. I'm trying to preach my heart out right now. But listen, sin, listen, that's the problem with sin. Sin takes you to bondage. Now, I just thought because I'm a pastor and I'm also on Instagram and I'm also, I watch TV and, you know, I have teenage kids and they keep me up on things. We have young staff. They keep me up on things. And so I just thought there seems to be a lot of confusion about what sin is. Yeah, this is going to be very unpopular and get really awkward, but we lock the doors. Okay. All right. So, but I just, I just wanted like, um, because in our culture, it just seems to be very confusing. And, and I just don't want you confused because I love you. And like, you know what? If a rattlesnake bites you and you die, then I want to help you understand that right there is a rattlesnake. If you hear, run. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to help you. That's what I do on Sunday. I just help you. I'm a blessing to you, okay? <laughs> but a court, now this, by, by the way, this is not, I didn't write down anything I thought was sin because there's some things I've learned I might want to include, but I couldn't find scripture on them. <laughs> not really. I probably could find scripture on them. Thank you, Jesus. Anyways, but these are things that God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, he thinks these are sin. I feel he's the authority on it. I feel like he is, right? I understand we live in a culture where we try to read the Bible based on what we want it to say and then explain to God what he actually meant. But that's really not how it works. Because when you stand before him on judgment day, he's not going to ask you about your opinion of his word. He's going to ask you what you did with what he said. He's, he, he's not really open to critics. Not at all. So everybody say, God... This is what God, Jesus, same, that's what they think are saying. So don't, listen, some of you will be tempted to cancel me. First of all, I don't care. Like, I'm a nobody from nowhere. Good luck, you know, whatever. It's, you know, anyways. But secondly, I, these are not, I didn't come up with the list. You understand that, right? Listen, if you get a subpoena to go to court, you don't beat up the server that brought it to you. He's just trying to deliver mail. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just trying to give you some mail. It's not even hate mail. According to the Bible, pride is a sin. Thinking of yourself more highly than you should. Think of yourself above everybody else. Pride is a sin. Mark 7, 1 John 2. According to the Bible, lying means saying something that is not true. Repeating something that you don't know is true. Lying is actually still a sin. Exodus 20, Revelation 21, Ephesians 4. Gossip, 1 Timothy 5, Exodus 20, and there are more. I just stopped it too, so you know I did my homework, okay? Gossip is a sin. Talking about something that is not your business is a sin. Talking to someone who cannot be part of the solution is a sin. And I know it still happens because I find out stuff about me all the time. Somebody said, what do you think about so-and-so? They don't like you. I said, number one, I don't think much about so-and-so. And number two, if I believed what they believe, I wouldn't like me either. <laughs> Problem is, it's just not true. 
it, yeah, it gets harder as we go. Those were the light ones. According to the Bible, racism is a sin. Hatred, 1 John 4, 1 John 3, Titus 3. Racism, prejudice, bias, all sin. It gets worse. Drunkenness is a sin. Ephesians 5, Proverbs 6. No, sorry, Proverbs 23. Drunkenness is abusing any substance until you have lost your faculties. According to God, I didn't write it. You don't even have to be mad at me. Just be mad at him and tell him. Lust. Matthew 5, 1 John 2, Proverbs 6. That means to look after something and desire it, to look after another person, sir, to look at a woman and undress her with your eyes. Think about, you understand, women to have some kind of fantasy like one of your romance novels or something with some guy you're not married. It's lust. It's a sin. Okay? Adultery. Let me define adultery. Having sex with someone you're not married to if they're married or you're married to someone else. Sexual activity. We got very quiet in this Lions Club meeting. Exodus 20, Matthew 19, Mark 10, Romans 13. Now this is where the fit's about to hit the shan. All right, everybody just hang on. Sexual immorality. Acts 15, 1 Corinthians 5, Galatians 5, and Ephesians 4. Pastor, sexual immorality is a gray area nowadays. No, no, not according to the Bible. Not according to the Bible. Brace yourself, Bubba. I'm going to help you right now. I'm going to heal your soul. Because here's the amazing thing. Everybody remember who God is? Everybody remember who God is? The creator of everything? The reason you're breathing right now? Everybody remember who Jesus Christ is? The one that they nailed to the cross for your sin? They both define sexual morality. So if I know what sexual morality is, then anything that's not in the box of sexual morality is sexual immorality. So both God and Jesus, Old Testament and new friend, God and Jesus define sexual morality as, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cling to a woman who is his wife, and the two will become one. And what God has joined together, let no one separate. And here's what he said. In that box of sexual morality where a man marries a woman, then they can get their freak on all they want. I'm so offended. Okay, let's go back to what you watch on TV because you're watching The Bachelor. Or John Wick or whatever. Anyways... So he said, this is what sexual morality is. A man and a woman get married. Not we're going to get married. There are no test drives with God. Listen. Well, we may not be sexually compatible. Let me explain. God took care of that when he made anatomy. If they have a and you have a, y'all can figure it out. Am I red yet? Anyways. <laughs> Listen, 
I am so heartbroken for, I mean, we have a, a generation that they're confused about what pronoun they are and they're confused about what, and they're living in bondage and brokenness. And I'm talking about the church. I'm not even worried right now about the people outside the church other than I want them to come to Jesus, right? Yeah. I'm talking about people in the church and I'm a Christian, but I don't know what pronoun I'm struggling with gender dysphoria. Let me help you. If you're confused, that tells you the enemy's at work. God is not the author of confusion. So if you're confused about your gender, the enemy's at work. Here's the great thing. The one who formed you in your mother's womb, who knew you before you were created, who knew you before you were born, who had the blueprint of who you are in his heart before you ever were, were, were a seed in the womb, he knows exactly who you are. Go talk to him and stop listening to the culture because the culture is trying to conform you to their image to validate their brokenness. So sexual morality, listen, it's a man and woman. It's not a man and woman plus one. It's not a man and woman, man and woman, and we switch out from time to time. I'm just going to cover it all today. Just make everybody mad at one time. I'm going to say amen and run out the back door. It's not a man and a woman in porn. Okay. All right. So what are you saying? Well, according to the Bible, let me, let's just go a little bit just so we're clear. So fornication is a sin. Well, what's fornication? That's a Bible word. Yes, it's a Bible word. Fornication means people who aren't married that are having sex. That's what it means, right? And that's any kind of sex. Just trying to help you out. And there's a whole reason why. I'm, ooh, I, like, I got to go. But anyways, I gotta, we got to get through. Anyways, but it's sin. According to the Bible, it's sin. Now, this one's going to make people mad. And I'm sorry. Uh, but remember, I didn't write this. Um, pornography, Matthew 5. Oh, let me, fornication, Mark 7, 1 Corinthians 6, Galatians 5. Pornography, Matthew 5, 1 John 2, Proverbs 6. Somebody said, well, how's pornography a sin? Well, if lust is a sin, please don't try to convince anyone that has a brain that you're looking at porn and not having lust in your heart. And I'm telling you, uh, pornography is robbing happy marriages before they even start. Because young men and young women are getting addicted, hooked up into porn, and then they get married, and they're finding sex doesn't work. It's not gratifying. It's just... Um, and it's because it's so bound. I mean, you, you can't watch porn every night and masturbate to 8 million different images and then expect to get happily married to one person and not have that affect this. Somebody needs to tell you the truth. Right? Somebody needs to tell you the truth. Um, and then here's, here's one more. Homosexuality. What is homosexuality? Having sex with someone of the same gender. I didn't make the list. Genesis 19, Leviticus 18, 1 Corinthians 6, 1, Corinthians, 1 Timothy 1, Romans chapter 1. It's all in the Bible. But according to the Bible, it's wrong. And, you, and let me just say this. Because people, and I know the argument, but how could, if I desire it, this is what they say, the way you desire heterosexual sex, I desire homosexual sex. Okay, let me help you. 
Let me help you with things. It's, it's, ooh, there's so many things I could say, but Lord Jesus, you're going to have to help me right now. Listen, human desire has never produced the righteousness of God. Right? There are single men who desire to have sex, but they're not having sex because they know it's, it's a desire, but it would be sin. Right? And I'm sorry. Like, I understand the attraction is real. I get it. I get it. But just because you have a desire and attraction doesn't make it right. Because the, the, the desire of the flesh, number one, is never satisfied. But number two, the desire of flesh never leads you to the righteousness of God. And if the Bible calls it sin, then, then I'm just telling you what the Bible calls And if you're mad at me, I'm sorry. I love you. I love you enough to actually tell you. I'm sure there are places you can go where they don't talk about sin. And, but, but just think about if, you, if you're sitting here like, I'm never coming back. I'm going to find some place where they don't talk about this sin. What you're saying is, I'd rather someone not tell me the truth and let me die in judgment of it than someone love me enough to tell me the truth so I at least can deal with it. Listen, I have friends that have been and are struggling with homosexuality. I have friends. I have friends that are atheists. I have friends that are agnostics. Listen, I'm not a judgmental person. I'm not judging you for your sin. I have my sin. You have your sin. But sin is sin. That's the point. Sin is sin. And when we continue in sin, we end up bound to it. But here's the good news. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, I will wash them white as snow. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of all of our sins. Now, I got to tell you one more thing because this is what Jesus does. See, we're sitting here bound to sin, but here's what Jesus says. I have the keys. I have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so Jesus comes. Oh, yeah, Jesus comes. Jesus comes. And he frees us from it. Now, this is about to get exciting. And I'm so going long, and I'm so sorry, and I love you all. Here's the problem. Let me explain this really quickly. Here's the problem that we have now is that if sin took me in bondage before I came to Christ, why would I believe that after I come to Christ, I could sin and not be taken in bondage? So you could repeat the whole first part of this point that I just gave you. It applies to you even if you've been saved. I don't know why today we feel like grace somehow gives us the privilege to sin when really it's the power to live in righteousness. And, and to think that because I'm a Christian, listen, you need to read Hebrews where it says you have offended the spirit of grace. When you use God's grace as an excuse to not deal with sin and to live in bondage, you have offended the spirit of grace. It says if we can continue in sin after he's made us free, there no longer remains a sacrifice for us. Grace has never been a reason to stay in sin. But it's, and listen, I love the gospel grace more than anybody, but we also have to have a little truth with our grace. Jesus was full of grace, yes, and he was full of truth. And he would say, neither do I condemn you, but check this out. Go and sin no more. 
right? He removes condemnation and he removes us from the law and he gives us grace. Why? So we can go and sin no more. Why? Because if sin caused brokenness before I came to Jesus, sin will cause brokenness after I come to Jesus. If sin puts me in bondage before I come to Jesus, sin puts me in bondage after I come to Jesus. If it was a sin before I got saved, it is actually still a sin after I get saved. And here's what I think the enemy, the enemy has so perverted the idea of grace in the minds of believers. Here's why. Because if he can't keep you from being saved, he'll just keep you from being free. If he can't keep you from being saved, he'll just make sure you never become who God created. Just like he'll use wounds and traumas, he'll use the sin box and he'll shackle you up with it. And he'll say, it's okay. You can go stand in church, but you're never going to lift your hands. It's okay. You can look good on the outside, but you're going to struggle and you're going to live in this and you're going to be bound by this and you'll be bound by that. It's okay. If I can't keep you saved, if I can't keep you from getting saved, I'll just keep you from being free. And this is what I'm saying. Jesus came. He said, Paul said this, it is for freedom that Christ has made us free. So do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's saying when God makes you free, stay free, run from sin, purify your heart, purify your life. Why? So you can be who he created you to be. Paul said, should we continue in sin so that grace may be abound? <laughs> no. <laughs> McFly, you know what I mean? No. He said, how can you who have died to sin continue in it any longer? Here's the problem. Brace yourself and then I'm going to be done. How can you who have died to sin continue in it? Here's the problem I realize. I think a lot of Christians pray to prayer but never died. Because mentally, you thought, I'd rather have heaven than hell. But you need to understand, when the Bible talks about Jesus, he is a Lord and then a Savior. If he is not your Lord, he is not your Savior. And the problem is, you can't be your Lord and have him as your Savior. And a lot of people signed up for a Savior, but you rejected the Lord. And you said, okay, I want you to save me from my sin. But I, I'm not dying to myself. I'm not changing. I'm not putting this down. I'm not breaking that up. I'm not moving out. I'm not going to seek out help, seek out counsel. I'm not going to confess my sin one to another that I would be healed. I'm, I, 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 I didn't sign up for a Lord. I just signed up for a Savior. But if he's not your Lord, he is not your Savior. Right. Right. And what Paul said is, how can we who have died to sin? See, we want the resurrection. That's a lot of churches they talk about the re- God's going to make everything okay. He's going to make everything work out. Everything's just going to be good. He will, but not if you're living in sin. He can't. You hear me? He can't. Listen to this. <clears throat> One more scripture. 1 John five eighteen. For we know anyone born of God does not continue in sin. And when we don't continue in sin, Jesus, who was born of God, keeps us safe. And the evil one cannot harm us. So what did he just say? If we're born of God and we continue in sin, Jesus can't keep us safe and the evil one can harm us. Because sin opens the door for him. 
Are you with me? So this is why when Paul's talking in, in Genesis, I'm sorry, in, in Romans chapter six, he's talking about this and he says, for if we've been united in the likeness of his death, certainly we'll also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Why? That the body of sin might be done away with. This is why you die. That the body of sin might be done away with. This is why we do baptism. Because people who said, I want to live for Jesus, they're like, I want to bury the body of sin because that body's got desires and habits. Like, I want to bury the body of sin. Because you can't have resurrection without death. And yes, God wants to help you and make things good and crooked paths straight and bless you. And yeah, God wants to do all that. But he can't do that unless you do it his way. Which is if you want the power of the resurrection, you got to stop by the cross and die. I feel like sometimes we're wanting God to carry our cross when he said, no, if you want to follow me, you carry, you take up your cross. And I'm telling you right now, if you're sitting in this room, I'm I'm just going to be real bold. If you're sitting in this room and you got saved and nothing changed, let me help you. You didn't get saved. You may have prayed a prayer. You may have filled out a card. You may have bought a Bible, but if nothing changed, you didn't get saved. Let me, let me, let me, I'm going to read this. If anyone is in sin, he is the same person. Nothing has passed away. Behold, all things get worse. If anyone is in Islam, he's the same person. Nothing's passed away. Behold, all things are pointless. If anyone is in atheism, he's the same person. Nothing has passed away. And behold, everything is without meaning. If anyone is in religion, he's the same person. Nothing has passed away. Behold, all things have become prideful. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Are you in Christ? Not religion, not humanism, not sin. Are you in him? That's what he wants for your life. Everything made new. Everything changes. The body of sin done away with so you can walk in the freedom of his glory and grace. Are you with me? Why don't you stand with me? That's what he wants. That's what he wants for you. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And there are people in this room, you're already ready to be baptized. And you, you, you've never been baptized. You, you've been born again. And, and you want to be baptized. Or maybe you were baptized. And maybe you kind of went your own way. And then you're like, I just felt like I need to be baptized. We're going to celebrate that. Maybe you're in this room. And maybe at some point you start thinking, maybe I need to be baptized. Maybe, maybe you were baptized as a child and you didn't know what it meant. Maybe you were baptized and you kind of went and did your thing. And, and now you've, you, it's like, man, I want to come back. Maybe you're struggling with sin. You're like, I want to leave the body of sin in the, in the water and bury it so I can be resurrected. There's a lot of reasons to be baptized. But here's what I want everybody to think about and ask right now. Do you need to be baptized? Do you need to be washed? Do you need to be clean? Do you need to be cleansed? Do you want the body of sin to be done away with so you can live in, in the resurrection power of God? And do you want new life? And if that's you, we're prepared for you. So in just a minute, I'm gonna turn everybody out who's prepared to be baptized. But even if you came and like, during this, you're like, I need to be baptized. Great, we're prepared. We wanna baptize you. So please don't leave if you need to be baptized. And and for some people, there's probably some people 
that you've been dealing with sin and today is your day of freedom. And please listen to me. Please listen to me. When you preach the gospel like this, it's like the handcuff was on, but then it opens because Jesus has the keys. But, but my concern is some people think, well, I'll do it another time. I'll get free another time. I'll get baptized another time. But if you walk out, this thing's just going to clamp down right back on you again. And you'll be dealing with it all over again. I think there's some people in here. I think you want to be free. And you can be free today. But you got to decide, I'm going with Jesus and I'm never going back. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to die to my flesh and die to sin and die to myself. And I'm going to bury that stuff in that water, in that tank, and let God resurrect me so I can live in newness of life. And we want to serve you today if that's you. So every head be bowed just for a moment. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now. Would you just ask God what, what he's speaking to you? But Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, if there's anyone in this room, and God, that they need to be washed, they need to be forgiven, they need to be cleaned up. And, and God, they want that. God, I pray you would draw them. And God, there's people here that need to be baptized. I pray you draw them because, God, you would only call them to be baptized. You were going to do something amazing in their life. And so right now, with, with our heads bowed, no one's looking around. I just want to see. You're in this room. It's just between me you and God, okay? No one's looking around, but you're in this room. You're like, you know what, Pastor? The Holy Spirit's dealing with me. I, I want to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven. I, I want to be cleansed. I want to be clean. If that's you, we just shoot your hand up right where you're at. Just shoot it up. Say, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Come on, put them up. There's some more. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Come on, put them up. Be proud. Like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Listen, I'm going to pray with you, but I want you to consider if you need to be baptized today, if you lift your hand. I'm not going to say anything to you. You don't have to do it for me. I'm not asking that. I'd never make you feel bad. I'm not trying to manipulate. But if you got your hand up, I want you to be free. So I'm going to pray with you. But then I want you to consider just going and being baptized. And so if you lifted your hand, you're going to pray a prayer that's just like this. Jesus, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for my sin. And God, I am so glad that you are so good that you already had a provision for my sin before I even sinned. The Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I want to live for you. I want to live for you follow you the rest of my life. Jesus, I declare you are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name.